Hi, I'm Josh Hamilton. And I'm Joe Skinner. And this is the American Masters Podcast, where we have conversations with the people who change us. Today, we talk to writer and director Noah Baumbach. Often, I suppose, in a story, family is a way to kind of externalize psychology. It's a way to play out stories of identity because you have these sort of versions of you all around you in family, both positive and negative. Noah Baumbach is a prolific filmmaker, frequently exploring the complicated psychologies of family life in a way that deftly straddles the line between comedy and drama. He was first nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for his 2005 film, The Squid and the Whale. His other films include Margot at the Wedding, Greenberg, Francis Ha, Mistress America, The Meyerowitz Stories, and most recently, Marriage Story. His movies are often considered highly personal in nature, Marriage Story is another film in this canon of personal storytelling, which chronicles a married couple in their bi-coastal divorce proceedings. The film was just honored with six Academy Award nominations, and as usual with the actors in Baumbach's films, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver give all-time performances. Josh, I know you're closely acquainted with Noah's collaboration process. You played the lead role in his first film, Kicking and Screaming. What was it like working with him on that? Well, we were kids. You know, we were in our early 20s. It was my first real lead role. It was his first film. And I loved working with him. His sensibility was so precise and honed right out of the gate. And we both grew up in New York City. We had a lot of the same points of reference, and we just got each other. Uh, and he's by far absolutely one of my favorite writer-directors. Uh, I just I love his movies. Well, I was really lucky to be able to sit down with Noah recently to talk about Marriage Story and, and some of his previous work. Well, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, good to be here. Um, so you've been doing a lot of press for this movie now, Marriage, Marriage Story. And I guess I'm always curious when I you know, get a chance to talk to people in the midst of these intense press tours, is there something that you think you've really learned along the way during this process? Definitely. Uh, I, we started in August in, in Venice, and it's always interesting when you... St- like when you really come out of the gate talking about something that you've essentially made because you don't have a way of describing it. You've made a movie because this is the way you know how to communicate these feelings and thoughts and ideas. And and I've actually felt like I've learned a lot from people, both uh, press interviews and also people who I've talked to in Q&As or gatherings after screenings and things from their reactions and the way they've talked about the movie because people have tended to bring a lot of themselves to the movie so they kind of reflect the movie back at me. I mean, I, I like I said, I, in a way I feel like the best way I know how to articulate or convey these, this whatever it is inside me that I'm putting into the movie is through the movie. So I'm never going to be able to describe it or talk about it the same way. A question I get asked all the time, which um, and I totally understand why people ask it, but people say, so tell us what Marriage Story is about. And I, that's the hardest question <laughs> for mm-hmm. me to answer uh, uh, for that very reason. Well, because you've chosen you know, this form to express and articulate yourself, it sounds like, and not the form of Q&As and <laughs> right. press interviews, I guess. Right. But, I mean, I, it doesn't mean that, you know, I, I will sort of every few interviews will find myself saying something and realizing it's true as I'm saying it. Like, mm. oh, that is... And, and it's been... It's great actually doing Q&A sometimes with either the cast or collaborators from the crew because we'll be talking and then suddenly someone will say something and it will trigger something else and then we'll all realize that we 
oh, that that's really true. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I'll try to remember that so I can bring it along and c- contribute it to another conversation. But uh, it it's you know it is it also because it is a collaborative medium, so it it sort of takes everybody to explain it. Do you see filmmaking and storytelling as a means of communicating, expressing, or therapy, or do you see it as something else entirely? I mean, it's something I'm compelled to do, and I really enjoy doing. It is, I guess, a, a means of, of communication in some way. I mean, I'm making it for the audience. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not making it for myself to see it. You know, the experiences of, of making it is is very meaningful to me. It's it's, but I'm I'm making it to let go of it. So I, I suppose in that way, really, it is. Yeah, it's it's communication. This season for our podcast, we've been interviewing a lot of different people that incorporate personal experience into their work. It just makes me curious, you know, how you define personal storytelling. Yeah, well, I mean, I think of personal storytelling as authorial in a way, and and you know, there are filmmakers who make fantastic genre movies or you know movies that any viewer would be hard-pressed to draw any kind of actual one-to-one comparison between the character in the movie and the and the the filmmaker but but of course those movies the best of them are work so well because they're personal and you know autobiographical I think is I mean at least traditionally is it's you're telling a real story you know in some either I, I suppose in a, th- a thinly fictionalized way. I mean, I'm, I'm interested a lot in this sort of what do they they call it like auto fiction? Auto fiction. Yeah. Ben Lerner and other mm-hmm. people like and him. Nausgaard and Rachel mm-hmm. Cusk and I, I, I mean, those three authors I think are, are are terrific. I. Why do you think that's such a thing right now? I don't know. That's interesting. It's interesting that it is such a thing, and it's so compelling and interesting. In, in ways that are hard to describe sometimes. And, you know, and it's not fair to put, just say those three names and lump them all together. They're all so distinct. Um, but when I read them, I'm not, I read it as fiction, even though they're clearly playing with some notion of the author. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. It's an interesting time with social media. And I think about this a lot, actually, just because the barrier between artist and audience is so thin now. And I think it creates this interesting conversation when people are making those kinds of works. Because a book is, we can at least imagine somebody writes either longhand or into their computer, it's edited, and then that actual document is released to us to read. So it feels, it's not filtered through many things. I mean, a movie is a screenplay which is cast with actors, which is uh, crewed up with you know, the people who are going to work on it behind the camera. It's so, even by design, there's so many layers of artifice that go on top of something that I don't even know how somebody would make exactly if you could make an auto-fiction. <laughs> uh, I mean, you could. I think you could do an auto-fiction thing the way they're doing, but you, it, to make the audience believe it's true might be more difficult mm-hmm. <laughs> in a sense. I mean, if I cast Adam Driver and say his name is Noah Baumbach, <laughs> it's 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 a more, nobody's going to quite believe that. <laughs> well, also that makes me think about just the process of collaboration that's so inherent in filmmaking. And it's funny that auteur theory is so applied to film as opposed to other art forms when it seems like it's so often the opposite with all the layers of collaboration that happen. Do you bring a lot of personal experience from your collaborators into the into the process or are you talking with them about subject matter that you're exploring 
I, I mean, I am. I'm, and, and many of my collaborators have become friends. So then that also, the conversations will help me f formulate story, help me create character, what, whatever the, the task ahead of me is. I like bringing my collaborators in early, and I like working with actors, or at least I should say I'm more comfortable with it now than I was. Um, I think when I was younger, it maybe was more intimidating to sort of think of a, an actor playing a part, or at least maybe I felt it even limited. I, I, I couldn't be as open if I was already thinking of an actual human being. But I find now I really do like to have actors in mind. It helps inform things for me. I find early on when I'm working, anything that grounds the story puts, makes it feel real to me. Um, and that can be using names from people in my life or locations or, you know, it could be a version of something that's happened to me or something that someone has told me about. Sort of starting with that foundation then helps me invent. Yeah, I was going to ask, actually, uh, if you, when you're starting to sit down and write, if you're thinking first about an event that happened or maybe a character comes to mind first what is like usually the first spark of invention for you there really isn't a usually it's 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 often it, it, it is all those things like a friend of mine told me a story um, a few years ago about how he he was younger and he was hanging out with a bunch of kids that he sort of or college kids who he kind of wanted to be part of but he didn't go to the college he was like this sort of outsider and he was hanging around with them a lot and trying to be cool and he had this exacto knife keychain and he would play around with it and and he did a thing where he pretended to cut his arm and then he actually cut his arm open and he was humiliated but also uh, and in terrible pain, but didn't want to acknowledge it because it seemed so embarrassing. So he just hung out bleeding for a while with this group. And that story <laughs> stayed with me. You see where this is going. But I, I, I that story stayed with me because it, it just said so much. It was, a, I mean, I loved it about my friend. It was a bonding experience hearing it because I loved that he I totally understood that feeling of like being being in pain, but being so too embarrassed. The embarrassment overriding the agony, <laughs> uh, and uh, so it's just a thing that's has stayed with me. And then there was a you know the scene in Marriage Story, and I totally different context, totally different character, totally different situation. But I was thinking I wanted some kind of physicalization of of what was essentially a kind of internal, you know, internal pain. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so uh, an emotional pain, I should say. And, and was there a physical way of exhibiting that? And, that? and that story came back to me and it found its way into the movie. Um, it's hard to say, though, like, you know, how, you know, these things all kind of come together. And sometimes things that I've forgotten about will pop up again when I'm working because something else has has triggered that memory or uh, sometimes things I've tried to write in the past, you know, relationships between people or a, like a specific relationship or that I've never been able to find any, like it just has never worked for whatever reason for me, suddenly will seem possible or I'll understand, I'll have a way into it that I didn't have before. And I don't know why that is. It's just sometimes you just you just have to wait on these things. What is it about family relationships that you think makes it such a deep vein to tap as subject matter? I mean, in some ways it's like what's not 
<laughs> interesting about family. You know, even if a story is not actually about family, our psychologies are all formed from our childhood and our parents, and you know, at least in, in some way, either heavily or it's all part of our makeup. And we've all internalized these things and now go around and do it to them ourselves. What was maybe what our parents were doing to us. <laughs> uh, so. Um, uh, both positive and negative. So often, I suppose, in a story, family is a way to kind of externalize psychology. It's a way to play out stories of identity because you have these sort of versions of you all around you in family. You know, then there's the families we choose and and the families we have if you have children. Um, and then you're on the reverse end of that, of like, what am I passing down? And, you know, um, but I, I suppose it is a way of externalizing uh, friends, stories about friends are that way too. It's a way of externalizing psychology and emotion. Do you think about making your characters sympathetic in some way while you're writing? Or is it something else that you think is most important to try to express about a character that you're exploring? I think it's, it's, it's making characters understandable. Um, human um, to the degree that you can in two hours. Um, that Jean Renoir quote that every about rules the game, every, everyone has their reasons, you know, like um, that, that's what I find important. And I think of, um, you mentioned Renoir and I, I different filmmaker, but I, I think of Persona every time I see the shot of them in bed in Marriage Story. And it just made me think about with your metrographer perspective, and what are the filmmakers that you draw that you think look to for influence? Well, the Marriage Story, definitely Persona. That was one that Robbie Ryan, my DP, and I looked at a lot for the close-ups. I mean, again, talk about a movie that externalizes, you know, emotion and and psychology. You have kind of two women, one who doesn't speak, uh, who who's a performer, also is an actress who doesn't speak, who and. They literally fuse, their faces literally fuse at one point in that movie. You know, it is so much about identity and and visually it's, it's so interesting the way he shoots the two women together in the room, the way he stacks up their profiles and, you know, and the distance between people, how sometimes if the way you shoot two people in a room, they can actually feel kind of quite close together or they can feel quite far apart depending on the lens, the camera angle. I find that's all done so brilliantly in that movie and... and so, um, and then it also has great wide shots and a great sense of location, and uh, that, in a kind of overall way, was something we thought about. Then we um, uh, we looked at uh, a sequence from the last picture show, a sequence in the fight scene between Nicole and Charlie. The close-ups, the way we did the close-ups, was inspired by last picture show. What we ended up doing is not the same thing, but um, there's fight scene between Jeff Bridges and Timothy Bottoms that um, the way Peter moves in on their faces and then the way he cuts he cuts within their like he'll go back and forth within the same line uh, which is very kind of kinetic and um, uh, we looked at Dr. Strangelove actually for a lot of the shots like because we had so many scenes of you know people in a courtroom and in a you know, mediation, you know, people at desks and tables and and the, the sort of both the absurdity and the the sense of of uh, menace. And uh, uh, I mean, Dr. Strangelove is is actually a comedy about a 
horrible thing. And so uh, that was, the, I find that a lot of the, the angles, say, of George C. Scott at the war room or things, they both have humor and also this sense of, you know, there, there's something also very strong and kind of scary about them, too. Uh, so that was something we looked at. Um, I mean, photography, we looked at um, both uh, Joel Meyerowitz's street photography and also Stephen Shore's photography um, for some of the Los Angeles and New York. Um, but every movie, I find, like, often the the influences are not thematic. They're more uh, They're more about, like, the kinds of scenes you find that you have, you know, like, because when I'm writing the script, you know, you'll, you'll when, when I'm, or I should, I should say when I'm kind of looking at the script I've written as a director, I'm, you kind of discover, okay, well, these are like the, the sorts of scene, there, there are these sorts of scenes and maybe I, you know, well, how, how do we, how do we, you know, like I was saying, like, how do we do a scene of people all at a, at a table that's interesting? Um, uh, and what movies have done that before? I mean, that's usually how that thought process goes. Or what you know, what what what, what movies have had kind of compelling, you know, visions of that? Oh, I also looked at like Ernst Lubitsch and Howard Hawks because of the sort of screwball nature of some of the scenes, the serving scene in particular, the people going in and out of rooms, and that to me was very much came from Ernst Lubitsch. But the scene itself didn't. But then the idea of the energy of it, the blocking of it, felt very much of of an Ernst Lubitsch movie. Mm. Um, yeah, all of this reminds me, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about the lawyer sequences, which are kind of like a film within a film almost. And and it just makes me think, you know, this film and in Meyerowitz stories, it's an interesting exploration of, you know, the transactional relationship people have with these very human moments like going through a divorce or, or going through a hospitalization. And we've all had to deal with those very transactional, mechanical things in some way or another in our life. I was wondering if you could just unpack those ideas in the two films a little bit. Well, I'd say first, thematically, Meyerowitz and Marriage Story do both have that kind of clash between, like, like you say, a kind of the, a kind of mechanical. It's also cap, capitalism. It's 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 like a, it's actually a business that your personal life is now, you know, being sort of sent through, you know, like, a, you know, it's, a, and that's the hospital and also it's the, uh, in Meyerowitz and it's the legal system in, in marriage story. And, and not only that, it's like your personal life at its most vulnerable, you know, when somebody close to you is, is sick or dying and w when you're going through a divorce. So you have these sort of, you're entering these things in one case almost can be quite literally with open wounds and, you know, and at the mercy, you feel at the mercy of these people. And it's sort of like, how much agency do you have? You actually then have to like learn the system and how you're going to function in that system. And when it's over, none of those skills can be applied to the rest of your life, um, except maybe if you run into it again, which, you know, uh, you, uh, we, hopefully we all do less, less. But I mean, you know, hospitals or something are that unfortunately keep, you know, coming up in our lives. And and I think for that reason, too, people don't often want to 
it, it, it's not a popular topic of conversation, maybe, or people don't want to reflect on it because it, it, it was so painful and, and also, in, in some cases, so absurd. I mean, it's, it is why Kafka was such a genius, because it is like he captures a feeling we all have that none of us can describe. And, um, uh, and, you know, and then when we're in those situations, it sort of makes us think of him. <laughs> but it, and also why his books are so funny. And because I think there is there is an absurdity to it at the same time that there's this, you know, often they can be very painful and uh, extremely serious. That's a great answer. I just want to ask one last question. What excites you the most about a project when you're working on it? Is there is there one thing you could point to as as, you know, this is when I'm most excited during the process? Um that's interesting. I mean, that's a good question. I, I, they, I think that it, there, there's, there's, there are parts all along the way. You know, when writing, there's sometimes days that feel just feel better than others, where, they, they, where, the, the, like when I feel like I really kind of understand the characters and the scenes are, like the dialogue is flowing, and I feel like, oh, this is. Like, you know, just I guess maybe to say it simply, like it's a day where I feel like, oh, I wrote a good scene today. That's always kind of an exciting feeling because um, uh, often I don't have that feeling. <laughs> and uh, and and sometimes you, I'll look back and be like, oh, that scene's better than I thought it was or then the other scene is not as good as I thought it was. But it, in a way, it doesn't matter because that, that flow of being in that place of kind of conscious and unconscious, I mean, I think that's maybe the, the answer. It's like... It's when, like, because the writing is sort of that time for me. It's like where I'm both kind of pushing this story along, but also moment to moment, I'm trying not to censor. I'm trying to, I'm, you know, live in this space of unconsciousness and consciousness. Um, and when that feels like I kind of could, like, ride that wave for a little bit, you know, because you never can ride it super long, that's exciting. And then... I would say in the shooting when the actors are doing that mm. is exciting to me. Um, and it's a thing I always, I often notice is sometimes with actors is like, if you know, maybe we're doing a scene and maybe the first few takes don't seem quite there yet. They're not quite, haven't found it. And then in maybe take three or four, I'll, I'll be watching it and it'll start off and I'll be like, here we are. Like I can feel it. And they sometimes, every so often, an actor will stop themselves and say, oh, I'm sorry, can I start over? Or they'll flub a line. And I liken it to that feeling of like when we're all, you, when, those times when you find yourself falling asleep and then you wake yourself up, mm -hmm. you know, you sit up because you've, you've realized you lost control and you try to gain it again. And then you're like, oh, God, I was almost there. I've got it, you know. Um, I, 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 I see actors do that too. It's like they... On some level, they f f felt themselves lose control, and they're waking themselves up by stopping. But when they don't do that, when they keep going into that place, I find that thrilling. And then in the editing, the editing is just, I, I just really enjoy. I find it's both, in some sense, the science of it, but also the musicality of it. The It's so interesting and exciting to me when, like, you're a scene... Like I, like I like sometimes when a scene isn't working, like like something is off, but you you can't figure it out, and then you play around and you realize, okay, but if we take, oh, we're on, we should be on this person, we shouldn't be on the person talking, we should be on the other person, you know, or, you know, or it's the scene before is too fast, 
Yeah, so it's we're losing. You know, when you find those strange, um, not even strange, when you find, but but maybe not obvious solutions to things. But it's like it's so exciting when you kind of figure that stuff out. Um, uh, it, it's uh, I don't know. I, I I that that to me I find also. Um, kind of is 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 sort of a, a, th- a thrilling moment but i even like when i'm not there yet and i feel like we're going to get there but i don't know how i don't know how uh um that's always super interesting too <laughs> well thanks so much for coming in yeah thank you the american masters podcast was created by michael cantor and is produced by joe skinner and co-produced by Josh Hamilton, with sound engineering by Josh Broom, Evan Joseph, and John Berman. For American Masters, we thank series producer Julie Sachs and associate producer Christiana Lombardo. Our theme music is by Infinity Shred. Thanks for listening. And please don't forget to give us a rating or a review and tell a friend about us or share a favorite episode. See you in a couple weeks.